Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Well, I can tell you already from the pre-show conversation I had with today's guest that this is going to be a very interesting conversation. I love what this guy is talking about. I love what he's out there teaching us. And I think it's so mission critical to all of us as we go through life and business. And I think uh, the lessons we're going to learn today are going to be very, very important. I'm joined today by Dan Rome. He is the president of Digital Rome and the author of several books, including the new one that we're here to talk about today, Draw to Win, a crash course on how to lead, sell, and innovate with your visual mind. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd. Thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thanks for carving out some time to join me. I know you're awfully busy, so I appreciate you stopping by. Dan, before we get into our conversation about the new book, uh, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Well, sure, Todd. You know, I'm one of those kids, well, I was one of those kids who loved to draw, and that's not unusual because, you know, if you think about it, your own childhood or if you have kids, you know, kids love to draw. They're really good at it when they're little because no one's told them they're not good at it yet. But I'm one of those people I continued to draw all the way through uh, high school and into college, and then I got a degree in painting and another degree in biology, which meant when I got out of school, you can imagine degrees in painting and biology, I'm functionally unemployable. But I had a skill, which was graphic design, and the fact that I drew made a lot of sense because if you think about it, the language of graphic design, you know, designing books and newspapers and magazines and movie posters is sketching. And it, if you're a designer, the way you communicate is you draw something out on a piece of paper and you share it with each other and you say, what if I did that? That would be good. Well, what made it weird was shortly after that, I ended up finding myself in management consulting where now I'm in all of these business meetings and conference rooms and boardrooms with very, very seasoned senior business people. And often they're talking about things that I was not experienced with or was unfamiliar with the terminology they were using. So I would still go up to the whiteboard or the flip chart and I would draw out a little simple picture, some circles and arrows and boxes and maybe a stick figure here and there and say, if I understand what you're talking about, it looks something like this. So this circle over here represents our business and this circle over here represents our competition and this kind of box over here represents our potential market and we have this amount but the competitor circle is getting bigger. Did I capture what you were saying? Well, and I'll tell you, Todd, what was amazing when I would do that, these very simple drawings, the temperature in the room would change. The meeting would go from something that was perhaps politically laden, where lots of people had secret agendas or were just marking time trying to get through the meeting, to all of a sudden the meeting turns into a real conversation because people could actually see what we were talking about. And then what would invariably happen is someone would pick up a pen and say, Dan, if you don't mind, they'd take the pen and they'd redraw one of the circles. And they'd say, well, I think it's actually more like this over here. Before you know it, Todd, you can see where I'm going with this. Before you know it, this meeting has turned into a real thinking working session. And the trigger was that we tapped into people's visual minds. So long story made short, all I've done over the last 10 years is focus on a series of books that bring to bear the lessons I've learned after 25 years of doing this. If you want to try to stimulate real conversation from the perspective of being a leader and, and illustrating to people the destination you want to take them to, 
Or if you really want to make a sale by using someone's visual mind and saying, let me show you what the solution actually looks like. Or if you want to innovate by taking a picture of something, whatever it is, this is the system we have today, and using your visual mind to come up with a new way of doing it, all you have to do is become more visual, which means draw. And I don't mean drawing in the sense of something artistic. I mean drawing in the sense of simply making complex things clear by simply taking a moment to draw them out. That's my background, Todd, and that's what Draw to Win is all about. Why do you need to write this book? Why is this something that's become a, a, a life's calling for you to kind of help us all draw to win? How? I guess another way to ask the question is, how, how have we gotten away from that? Why We've all been in a conversation at a meeting where someone sketched out an idea, and, that, and as you said, that sparked this whole ensuing conversation that was probably largely visual. We've all been at that restaurant where someone pulled a, you got a pen in your back pocket, yeah, and you grab the napkin and you sketch out an idea. We've all done that. We've all been there. We've all witnessed the power of that. Yet, it is a, it is a tactic. It is a strategy. It is a tool that so few people use. How did, how did we let that happen? Well, and Todd, you just nailed it. That's exactly why I have to write this book. Because we've seen it, we know anecdotally that this visual approach works, but we don't consistently have any tools. And if you think about it, whether you're in high school or college today or whether you've moved up and you're now going to business school or you're getting a university degree, you find me the one course that says we're going to go into visual logic, visual neurobiomechanical processing and understand how to take advantage of this incredible visual processing machine. That class doesn't exist. That's why I have to write these books because – our visual mind, and let me, let me back up for a moment. Let's talk about some of the neurobiology here for a second. Imagine that you just draw a circle in your mind's eye. I want you to just draw a circle, and imagine that the circle you're drawing represents our entire brain, all of the billions of neurons that we have in our brain. So that's what that circle represents. Now, I want you to take that circle and cut it roughly in half, and imagine that roughly half of that circle in one way or another, is active in helping you process vision. It is estimated that anywhere ah, from 40 to 60% of your brain is there to help you process vision. More of your brain is active in processing vision than any other function that the brain has. And it's not something we think about very often. Vision, it's a miracle that it works at all. And if you think, Todd, what it means, People who are listening to this, imagine, open your eyes for a moment, and that entire world that suddenly lights up and comes in, that's just light. Your brain is doing all of the heavy lifting of turning photons into meaning in your head. It's doing it thousands of times a second. It's doing it without any conscious effort on your part. It is the biggest part of your entire brain is converting light into meaning. What I want to do is give us a consistent, trainable, repeatable set of tools that help us understand that process, and explicitly take advantage of it so that we can buy all of that capacity and bring it to bear when we do have a problem that we want to solve. When we are sitting there in the restaurant, we say, wait, 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 I've got the idea. Give me a piece of paper and I'll draw it out. And that magic moment that happens when you go to the whiteboard and you say, wait, I've got it. We're over here and imagine if we moved over here. Think what could happen. That's why you're right. So many business, every time I talk to someone in business about this idea of being more visual, Todd, it's exactly as you just said. People say, you know, that's interesting. There's actually a napkin sketch hanging outside the office of our CEO, and that's the picture he drew to get this business started. You hear this hundreds of times. My take on it is 
why don't we codify that approach? Why don't we find out why it works and amplify that? That's what the books are about. Coaches get it, right? I'm talking athletic coaches. I mean, they draw up plays. They draw up uh, plans for the upcoming game on on a chalkboard. Uh, It's the same thing conceptually. I mean, I guess the the step that back is, is, I mean, visual communications have been there from the beginning of of time, right? I mean, I think your two biggest influencers are Og and Oog. (laughs) Right. <laughs> those two, those two cavemen who who uh, needed to communicate, but didn't have a language, and so they sketched on a cave wall. I mean, this is this is in us, right? This is built into the, the Homo sapiens that we are. This is how we are made to communicate, but we're just not doing it. Exactly right. We are, you know, it's an overused phrase, but I'm going to overuse it one more time. When you look into the neuromechanics of vision. We are literally hardwired to process visual information orders of magnitude faster than any type of verbal information. And there's a little experiment that I often do with people when I'm teaching a class or I'm doing corporate training or something. And let me just describe, Todd, the way it works. It's pretty cool. So what happens is at some point during the the training, I just take a moment out and I say to folks, I'm going to show you 30 random images and i know they're random because i simply go on google images and i just download the first 30 pictures that show up and they could be anything they could be a flower a butterfly a dog a political figure a car a sporting event it doesn't matter whatever the pictures are and then what i do is i just flash them on the screen really quick for about a quarter of a second each so you can imagine these 30 images are just going by like tick 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 and then we see 30 of them takes 15 seconds fine whatever then we stop and I say, okay, forget about that because none of us can possibly remember all 30 images and everybody laughs because there's no way we can remember them. We didn't even see them long enough to actually recognize what half of them were. And then I go on for another two hours talking about something else. And then at the end, I come back and I say, okay, now I'm going to show you the images again, but this time I'm going to show two pictures. One we saw before, one we did not. Tell us which is the one we saw before. And I show the 30 images in parallel with 30 other ones. Everybody, 100% of the time, without fail, is able to identify which was the one we saw before. Now, the reason this lesson is important is because what it's showing us is, number one, the speed of our visual memory. Visual memory operates vastly, vastly quicker than any type of verbal communication and memory. And the second point that it shows us is that visual memory is actually how we store most all of our our memories, are stored as pictures, not as strings of words. We can memorize strings of words, and you know you could memorize the you know the Pledge of Allegiance or the preamble to the Declaration of Independence or whatever you want, but it takes a tremendous amount of cognitive effort to memorize it, and it's interesting because it takes an even more tremendous amount of effort to recall it later on. Pictures are not like that. That's where that mental capacity goes. We are fundamentally visual creatures, exactly as you said, and what's remarkable is to know we've always been And now we're moving back, I think, into an increasingly visual age. And what I mean by that is, if you think about social media, you think about the magic of what you can now do with that iPhone or that Android, you take a photo. Todd, I could do this right now. I could take a photo of anything in front of me and instantly send it to you. I don't think that this social media with all these pictures is dumbing us down like many business people do. On the contrary, it's simply fulfilling a human dream that's existed for 40, 50,000 years. We just have better technology now. We've always wanted to share images with each other. Now we have the technical means to do it, but what we're missing is the experience to say, okay, well, what would I draw? And that's where Draw to Win comes in. It says, if this is the problem that you wish to explore, here's the picture you would draw 
to make it clear. Does that make sense? It makes all the sense in the world. And I agree with you 100% that modern technology is is certainly sparking a revolution in visual communications, no doubt about it. I think it's one of the reasons why something like Snapchat is so popular because it's it's purely focused on a visual image and, and the ability to actually get a little stylus and, and, and sketch on those images makes that even more powerful. But I also think technology, and I'm curious as to your take on it, I think it's part of the problem too because this idea of, all right, well, when I want to write an idea, I, I don't, it's stupid to write it on a notebook. It's silly to, to get paper and put it on a, on a uh, on your desk and actually draw when you can just, you can verbally recite the notes into your phone or, or type it into your phone. It's silly to waste paper. You ought to be doing all this digitally. It is, is, while technology is certainly sparking uh, uh, amazing opportunities in terms of visual communications, I worry that it's, it's negating our ability to actually get like a, an actual, you know, writing implement and actually sketching and doodling, which I think is such a powerful tool. Well, Todd, you're exactly right on both fronts. Number one, the technology is there to enable us to share images with each other, which is awesome. The problem is most of the images that get shared are either, you know, smiling cats or cute babies or silly vine videos. And the reason that those things are so addictive to us and so successful, if you will, in terms of all this clickbait and stuff that you're, you know, you're trying to stay focused and you're trying to go through your email, but one thing leads you into news, which leads you into all this clickbait stuff. The reason that those things are so successful is exactly the same reason we're talking about. Because the mind is so visual, when it sees something that makes sense or is appealing, the mind gets led off into that picture. So what I'm trying to do is say, if we really want to think more clearly, look, if we really want to try to solve the problems that are in front of us instead of just, you know, chatting about them all the time and blaming someone else, we have to make the effort to pick up the pencil or the pen and take the piece of paper. The studies are solid now. In fact, Time Magazine in April of this year uh, put out a fascinating report on a fascinating series of studies that had been concluded that prove pretty much once and for all, that if you want people to memorize something, the best way to guarantee their ability to memorize it is have them draw a picture of the thing. And in fact, there were multiple different versions of this test that were given over a period of many years, and consistently the number one way to make sure that someone saw something clearly and remembered it was to ask them to draw a little picture of it. Now, the downside of technology is exactly as you have said. It makes it too easy for us to be lazy and feel like we're doing the work when, in fact, perhaps we're not really thinking that well. It's easy to get distracted with these visuals that distract us. What I want to do is say, let's then learn to make pictures that are important, pictures that are thoughtful, pictures that bring about insight, pictures that actually clarify problems, and make those pictures so compelling that we want to look at them too. So instead of just surfing the web and looking at all the easy stuff, I now see pictures that someone has drawn that surface an idea that's really important, and it will draw my attention in. So I want to take advantage of that same visual engine that so much of this crap is, is sucking us in so that what we end up looking at is the good stuff. Does that, does that make sense? Makes all the sense in the world. All right. Dan and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy. 
productive, and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. All right, I am back with Dan Rome, president of Digital Rome, Inc., and the author of a new book called Draw to Win. So, Dan... At the top of the show, you said I was one of those kids uh, that loved to draw, and I'm one of the few that actually still draw. It's it's a common theme in conversations around business, and certainly innovation and creativity, that we beat away uh, this childish playtime recess mentality that it's okay to kind of get into a playtime where it's all right to kind of let go of these strict corporate rules and 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 play a little bit and i think this is this feeds into that idea that that when did we beat out of people that it's it's okay to, to still draw and to doodle and to sketch things it seems like corporate america is so buttoned down that that's discouraged now when in fact that's probably one of the worst things we did to to dampen creativity and innovation, yeah? Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think there's a couple of sides to the response. I spend two-thirds of my working day in corporate America, in those big, scary corporations that do absolutely, on the surface, want to maintain and even maintain that even strain. Mm. You know, they don't want to be perceived as being emotional. They want to be able to say we are thoughtful and intelligent and insightful and insightful as we make our decisions and you can trust us. And of course, if they were joking and goofing off all the time, they would lose a bit of that, uh, a, a little bit of that tone. But what I do is I say, I never say to anybody, I'm here to have fun or to unleash your inner kindergartner or anything like that. On the contrary, I know that's what we're going to do, but I don't say that. What I say instead is, let's just dive in for a moment into, again, some of the neurobiology and neuromechanics of vision. It's really interesting. We'll go through some of how vision works. We'll look at the science. And along the way, what we're going to do is some little experiments where we see if we can put a pen on paper and and sort of play into some of these topics that we're talking about. And what happens is over about a half an hour, 45-minute period of time, I take people in a very serious setting into a place where something really amazing happens. Everybody is smiling and everybody is laughing. And the reason is because they're now understanding things that in their own mind were not particularly clear. And nothing makes, you know, the endorphins and the dopamine in our brain, all the feel-good stuff that's just waiting to get, uh, you know, shot through our brain as a reward for having discovered an idea or been insightful. Nothing gets that going faster than drawing a simple picture and getting over the worry that it doesn't look great and realizing, oh my gosh, if I connect these two pieces, I suddenly see the linkage I've been missing all along in my 40-page PowerPoint. People get excited, they light up, and they can't wait to show to each other what they've been doing. So that's sort of point number one. I never say, hey, we're going to have fun and we're going to be childish, but that is in fact what we do. And point number two is that when the human brain is relaxed, when it is having a good time, is when it is at its most effective. Under We know this. When the brain is under stress, when the brain is worried, it's self-conscious, it's being focused on, it has to make a decision right now, it has to know everything, is the worst time to make a decision because we're under such great stress. 
One of the greatest ways to remove that stress is to say, just take a couple of minutes and draw it out and then share your drawing with someone else. The laughing starts and you would, I don't actually, I don't think you would be surprised to see the number of breakthrough ideas that emerge from this group of people who two hours before were staring at each other across the table, not knowing what each other was talking about, but afraid to say that for fear of looking stupid or looking non-serious. And all of a sudden, an hour later, the level of communication is through the roof. People are smiling. This happens so many times. I'm going to go on with this, Todd, just because I want you to imagine this. I'm doing training in a very button-down accounting organization. I do a lot of training in accounting organizations, believe it or not. Everybody's in a suit and a tie. Everybody is on and What's amazing is after an hour, hour and a half, there's laughing coming out of the room. People knock on the door and ask, is everything okay in here? And what's happening is we're generating ideas. I just love it. And the only difference between our meeting and the meeting going on across the hall where there's dead silence and everybody leaves looking kind of morose is I simply asked people to use their visual mind and I gave them the tools to do it. You do that see stuff it makes sense you're happy and it's okay to have fun with this i mean if to to me to be creative ought to be a, a pleasurable fun meaningful experience and and I, i'm just thinking of a of a brunch i had not too long ago probably two three weeks ago with a cousin of mine and it was her and her husband and their two children and my wife and i and and we it was one of those restaurants where you know we sat down and the waiter brought a box of crayons for the two kids to play on they could draw on the you know the paper the paper on top of the of the tables and and before long all six of us <laughs> were drawing stuff on that table and it just uh, i'm i think i'm going to invent a steakhouse that's meant to be a place where you know it's one of those fancy dark oak wooden paneled kind of steakhouses where businessmen go on expense accounts and, and do business. But I think I'm going to do it where there's going to be crayons. And these guys ought to start drawing on, as they're having their Cabernet and their steak. Because I think it would be an entirely different experience. And, and you're right. I mean, we've all, if you're listening to this, you've been in a circumstance where something was drawn and sketched and it changed everything in terms of how you viewed it, how you understood it, which I guess is a great segue into my next question. It, it, it's really obvious to me, Dan, as I listen to you talk, that when you draw out something visually like that, it can break down a complex idea. But to the to the business person listening to this, I mean, the book is called, a, you know, Draw to Win, a crash course on how to lead, sell, and innovate. Talk about drawing as a tool towards leadership and selling and innovation. Oh, absolutely. And I'll do it quick because leading Every leader is told, hey, you know, one of the things you need to do is come up with a vision statement for your organization. Okay, so go ahead and write two or three paragraphs and distill it down into a couple of sentences that invariably at the end read something like, our vision is to become the leading service provider in our industry, leveraging synergies to maximize shareholder <laughs> value on a go-forward basis. And you think, wait, let's think about what we were asked to do. You were asked to create a vision statement. Where'd that word come from? Nobody asked you to create a written statement. They said a vision statement. It must be a picture. How absurd are we that a vision statement is purged of anything visual? Where'd the word come from? Leadership means, and you nailed it earlier when you were talking about times when people naturally pick up a pen and draw, and you mentioned coaches. And I think of Bill Walsh. I'm out here in San Francisco, classic coach for the 49ers, invented the West Coast offense, you know, back in the days of Joe Montana, et cetera. I'm dating myself. Bill Walsh, in the same thing that you know John Madden does, you draw out the play so that people can see what they're 
expected to do. And the other analogy is to think of any movie you've ever seen that involves the Marines taking an island. What's the first thing that happens? Well, the plan goes to heck. And so the Marines are standing there on the beach, and someone picks up a stick and draws in the sand and says, okay, this is where we are, and here's the bunker, and you three go over there, and we'll go around over here. That's leadership. Because what you're doing is you're actually physically demonstrating the destination and the method to get there. That's what well, why leadership was, is about. Why was John Madden the, one of the most popular sports announcers out there? It wasn't because he was charismatic. There were dozens and dozens and dozens of really great charismatic sports announcers. I think it was the, in of, the invention of the CBS chalkboard. Absolutely. And, and him being yeah. able to actually show in, on the screen, here's, here's what, notice what this guy did here, and look at the cut he made here and the angle he took there. That changed everything in terms of how people perceive sports. I mean, so I, I stepped on your foot there, but but that that to me, that's why he was so popular. And it, his, his sketches were horrible, <laughs> but you understood the but play. But it doesn't matter. Now, take that, Todd, and, and I'm going to step on your toe right back because what I want you to do is take that and imagine why couldn't that happen in a business meeting? Why wouldn't the John Madden of the room go up to the whiteboard or to the flip chart and say, look, team – Here's what we really need to do. We're here. The market is here. The customers are here. Our new emerging competitor is over here. What we're going to do is do this end run. We're going to take product X, repackage it as Y. We're going to run it around over here and undercut what they're trying to launch. Why? And you can imagine what would happen. You could see it in your mind's eye. Everybody is going to say, great idea. That person is now the leader. When I talk about visual leadership, that's what I mean. I am not a particularly charismatic or attractive person, but when I start drawing my pictures, people listen to me because they're watching me too. And that's the real lesson, what I call it, draw to win. What does winning mean? You know, it's success comes in a thousand different flavors, but I think really in the end what we're talking about here is winning is getting attention and retaining that attention. Long enough to be the leader, long enough to sell something. Everybody is overwhelmed with the amount of information that's coming at them. Everybody has been to too many meetings today and can't remember what happened this morning. Imagine the excitement of a leader who says, okay, let's cut out all of that for a moment. This is where we're going. It looks like that. That's what I mean by the leadership part. And Todd, you know, I don't want to take too much time, but you can imagine, I think, how you could then turn that into sales. If I sit next to you and I draw out what I believe the problem is, and then I give you the pen and I say, well, what is your take on the problem? Are you seeing the same way I am? And then you hand me back the pen and I say, well, I've been in a situation like this before and I think I have a solution to it. And what the solution is, is you kind of bend this piece around over here and you come in on the other side and you do that through, you know, insert piece of technology or, you know, new, new market offering or whatever it is that you're trying to sell. You simply visually demonstrate, you hand over the pen. The sale has moved from an aggressive fast pitch mode into a collaborative sort of softball pitch where we are working together to reach the solution. And there's a visual record of what we've done. That's why this works. Visual sales is remarkable. Visual leadership is remarkable. And the well, tools the key, the are key there. Phrase there. The key phrase that you said with, with regards to selling was hand over the pen. And the collaborative nature of that is what makes that so powerful. And then when they when they lean in, roll up their sleeves and get and start drawing on that on that paper on top of the table, boom, they're engaged and they're co-creating the solution in which you happen to offer. So that's the real power of that. And that's the beauty of this whole idea of drawing to win is that that it's not it's not necessarily the guy at the head of the room or the coach in front of the of the team. It, it everyone should be able to get in there and, and grab a, a, a writing implement too, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's how you get teamwork moving. Uh, it, it takes a leader. The, someone's got to be the one. And 
very often it's not actually the official leader in the room. It's the person, frankly, who has the guts to say, this is the time in the meeting when we need a picture. No one else is drawing it. I've read my book, Draw to Win, so I know which picture to draw. I have the guts to go up there and draw it. That person is now the leader of the room. When you have the conviction and the guts to go up and draw the picture, you are going to win the attention. Now, it's not a long period of time. You actually have to deliver. And there's lots of tools and tips and tricks and little exercises you can do to make sure that when you are drawing, you don't stumble, you don't fall, you can keep going. Those are in the books. I'm not going to relate those now. But when you are the person drawing, you own the room. What are you going to now do with it? Well, here's the pictures that you would draw. And at the right moment, you then hand it back to someone else. And you do that by simply handing them the pen and then say, could you draw this up on my picture? And it works. It really works. And it's a, it's a tremendous amount of fun. And uh, it does bring that element of creativity right back into the meeting. And, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that I've seen this approach fail. And the only reason why it fails is because someone in the room is actually offended by the amount of clarity that we're now reaching. Someone's got a hidden agenda and they don't want it exposed. So that's the only time it doesn't work. Well, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, Dan. I'm still chuckling over your discussion around, quote, the vision statement. Because I guarantee you, nine of 10 people listening to this, and I'm going to lump myself into that category, have completely, no pun intended, lost sight of the fact of what that word vision actually means. We have this corporate definition of what the vision statement is, but but <laughs> it actually is a visual. And and a good leader, a good seller, they, they clarify this vision in someone's mind, the, an actual picture, a drawing, a diagram, some visual that, that makes what they're trying to communicate simple and understand. That's the whole point of it. We, we've, we've corporatized the, the definition of a vision statement into this innocuous thing that involves words like synergies and, and efficiencies and all that, which none of us really know what the hell any of that means. So I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to chuckle at that for, for a while after this conversation because it, it frankly has invigorated my whole idea of what this vision statement is. And now that I remember what the real meaning of that word is, it's fascinating stuff. This um, I've heard you talk about that there are seven basic shapes that can explain just about anything. Walk us through some of that. A lot of people are afraid to become more visual because they're afraid that they can't draw. And it's a legitimate fear. And in many cases, it's true. A lot of us are terrible drawers. Number one, I don't care. Anybody can draw. And what we need to get over is our worry about drawing something that looks great. I don't care. It's like you said about John Madden's drawings. The goal here isn't to draw artistically beautiful shapes and things. The goal here is simply to clarify what's already in our mind. So the pictures are going to be very simple, and they're based on just these seven elemental shapes. And they are, here's the list. Number one is a dot. Everybody can draw a dot. Well, if you draw two dots, you then go on to shape number two, which is a line connecting those two dots. If you put an arrow at the end of that, you've now got shape number three, which is an arrow. Then you keep going. If you can draw a square, if you can draw a circle, if you can draw a triangle, and if you can draw some kind of a blob, those seven little elements are only things you need to create pictures of anything. And all you do is you start to combine them. And the combinations are also very, very simple. And the way it all starts for people who are hesitant and say, well, I like the idea of this, but I, I'm, I wouldn't know how to draw anything. It's very simple. Don't worry about the drawing. Here's what I would like you to do. Simply take a pen or a stylus. If you're going this digitally, you can do it on your Surface or your iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil or on, you know, on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard. doesn't matter as long as you have something you can draw with and something you can draw on. 
the start is real simple. You know you've got a problem or an idea you want to share. It's very basic. All you do is you draw a circle. You simply draw a circle. You don't even think. You just draw the circle, and then you think, and you say, okay, so what would I label this first circle that I've drawn? And you say, okay, well, why don't I label it me or you know, my business or today or my money? What, whatever is the first thing that comes to mind when you start to even scratch the surface of your idea. You just label that first circle that. And then immediately something's going to happen. It's going to say, okay, well, what's the next circle? So draw another circle and think, well, if the first one was me, well, then the second one is you. Okay, and now how big are those two circles? And then draw another one and say, what's this circle? Well, this is the product. Okay, and where's that sit? So the point I'm trying to make, Todd, is that once you get started, actually the process, it becomes harder to stop because the visual mind wants to be seen. And the way to let it be seen is just start drawing these circles and labeling them and start connecting things. And with a little bit of practice, you'll move to where you you automatically know which picture to draw pretty much the moment someone opens their mouth. Well, and we've all been there, too, where we have done this exercise, whether we realized it or not, that that we invented it as we went. Right. You're, you're as you said, you, you you start drawing this thing and then you have a new idea because your mind's suddenly open and thinking and, and the visual nature, and the visual power, this cognitive science of vision, as you talk about, takes it takes a life of its own. And and then all of a sudden you look back and there's this massive of doodling on the wall. But it's 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 the perfect vision. Then you can go in and refine. That's OK. It's perfectly, perfectly appropriate to do that, too. Yeah. I, you can't be afraid of where this is going to go. And I think half the point of this is you don't know where it's going to go, which is part of the beauty of this too, right? Absolutely. You you don't know where it's going to go when you get started. And something good is always going to emerge. Some level of clarity or a question that had not yet been asked or an answer that hadn't been surfaced. If you just keep at it, it doesn't take long, five, ten minutes into this process, you're going to see something that when you were just talking about it had remained invisible and something good will always come from that. How do you encourage people, if you're management, eh, that's not a fair question. If you're anyone and you want to encourage people on your team, in your organization to start embracing this idea, how do you start? What, what do you do? Oh, the very first thing you do is you have to at least acknowledge that visuals have a place in your business. You need to give permission. And I think over the series of years, as I've been writing my books, I think probably the most important lesson that they've had, and I've heard this from other readers and people in corporate America that I work with, is the idea that these books simply give you permission to be more visual. Because invariably what will happen is, is someone in the room, usually about a third of the people in the room, would like to be more visual, but it's just not okay. No one's ever said it's all right. So step number one is just give permission. Step number two then is to make a safe environment where you encourage people to communicate as effectively as they can and be willing for everybody in the room to, to actually listen to what other everyone else is saying and you give people a space where they can draw and you give them some structure of the kinds of pictures they'd like to draw. And the best way to do that is to show examples. And if you want examples, well, Todd, you can imagine I've got a whole string of books I could ask you to buy that show lots of great examples of visuals from a business world put into practice. So, so I guess to summarize, you give people permission, you give them an environment where it's possible to do some of these drawings. And I think the third part, which is really what brings it all together, is then you take the time to look at the work that people have put together and let the insights that are there come to the surface and report back on it. And if you do that, again, about one-third of all people in any meeting, doesn't matter what industry or what level within the organization, I've seen this just out of the thousands of meetings that I've done where I always do by a show of hands, about a third of the people in any meeting want to draw, but they're the ones who've been told it's not appropriate or something. 
about a third of the people in the meeting, you know, they don't care one way or the other about drawing, but as long as there's someone up there drawing, maybe they'll find that interesting. And about one third are initially resistant to it. And you, and you have to kind of get them to see the, po- the positive. The trouble is the people that are resistant to drawing are the people who've come to dominate the meetings, which is why these pictures don't happen. So you need to create an environment in which that other third has, has an opportunity to get up there. And it's a shared responsibility. If you happen to be someone who believes in the power of pictures and believes that there is something extraordinary in looking for your vision, then it's true. You have to have the courage and the guts to step up and take that pen and do the drawing. No one's going to hand it to you and say, here, go draw the picture. You have to step up and do it yourself. So I, I, does that does that make sense? Does that answer the question? It absolutely does. Absolutely does. And and if if you're paying attention and you think back on different things you've done in your life, I think you'd be surprised at, at how many times what what moves you, what inspires you, what motivates you has been visual. And so just take those lessons uh, and realize that you, even you in the cubicle and some corporate environments can apply those that same lesson, those same philosophies, those same tools as well. So Dan, gosh, we could talk for hours on some of this stuff. And, and I love what you're doing here. I love the, the message you're driving and, and uh, appreciate the work that you're doing. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions of you, how can they find you? Where can they learn more about Digital Rome? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of your books, including Draw to Win? Draw to Win and my other books are available at any bookstore, whether it's Bricks and Mortar or Clicks Online. All major book retailers carry Draw to Win, The Back of the Napkin, and the rest of my books. If people are interested in getting a little more information about what I actually do, they can look me up on danrome.com. My contact information is there along with a lot of tools that are derived directly from the books. But even more importantly, I would encourage people to take a look at my online Visual Thinking Academy. It is called the Napkin Academy. It's, it's literally www.napkinacademy.com. I've been building this over the last five years. We have thousands of members, about 3,500 people around the world who are subscribers. We have a very active community of business people who like to draw and like to share their work. Napkin Academy, it's all of the lessons from all of my books in video form along with active forums, and I encourage people to take a look. It's a great place to keep in touch, and we, we work with each other and share our work. Dan Rome, the president of Digital Rome and the author of a new book, Draw to Win, a crash course on how to lead, sell, and innovate with your visual mind. Dan, real pleasure to have you. Had a great time. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. All right, Todd, my pleasure. Thank you. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Dan Rome, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.